Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm going to be bringing you homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in every nook and cranny. At least we try to remember that especially while painting highest ceilings, and where life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes verging on the hectic. Each week, I cajole and tempt a member of the public to join me for part of the show. I'd ply them with cakes and coffee if we weren't all things digital, but they come and chat with no bribes, and we talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. Yes, that's my English accent you're hearing. Though I've lived in the Lone Star State half my life, I can't shake the Oxford drawl. After the first break, Suki Wesling, a reluctant homeschooler of gifted children, will be here to talk to us about Unusual Learners and her new book, From School to Homeschool, Should You Homeschool Your Gifted Child? May I interest you in a sit-down and a hobnob? It's time for Elevenses, a mid-morning snack taken at 11, with a nice hot cup of tea or coffee or chocolate, whatever your fancy. I'm going to be enthralling you with words about walking, house painting, being at home alone with the children, (coughs) and having so much on my plate that nothing gets done. So let's get started. And a good way to get going and banish the cobweb stress or mid-morning blues is to leave the house. I'm not a fan of walking around our neighbourhood because with the abundance of trees, the roots have made the pavements rise and buckle. So it is a teeny-weeny bit treacherous. Plus, there are a few rentals that bring down the profile of the hood. So I've taken to walking around the pond again. It's no longer a pond but a hole in the ground. I still have no answers for you on the thinking behind the draining of that small body of water. Walking around it in circles is pretty boring, and the lack of greenery at this time of year adds to the blah landscape, but it beats a treadmill or a stationary bike, and the fresh air is good for me, apparently. I always feel so much better when I get home. The circumference of the pond is about a quarter of a mile, and I walk around it four times. But I think it's longer because that would mean I only walk just over a mile in an hour, which sounds like a snail's pace, doesn't it? I walk fast to get my heart rate up. And when my handsome Texan dragged me on foot across the historic seven-mile bridge in the Keys the other week, I got a better sense of distance and time. Before you gasp in astonishment, only two miles of the bridge were open. And when we got to the little island at the end called Pigeon... There was no cafe for a nice cup of tea and no toilets that I could see. And I noticed we'd left the car on the other side. Off we set again and I ran a few hundred 
centimeters showing off the texan the round trip on our feet took about an hour and 10 minutes so that was 4 miles and my reckon that the walk around the pond must be about 3 miles by the time i've got myself there and circumnavigated it 5 times notice i've upped it to 5 circuits I can't go in the rain though which has cut my walk down a little bit this week. I think I'd look pretty silly walking with my umbi. So let's look silly, shall we? We've been painting in our PJs. How weird is it to say that since we cleaned out our wardrobes in preparation for our trip to London 18 months ago, there are no old clothes left in our closets to paint in. So the summer pajama pants have been broken out and the McNinny home decorators are having pajama day every day like the good old school days. Our handyman finally showed up. It's taken 3 months to get him nail gun down. We were ever so happy about that. Plus, he doesn't start at the crack of dawn so our morning routine isn't interrupted. Dots is though, but she can sleep through anything except the ear-splitting noise of cutting through an outside wall for the two new windows in her room upstairs. He was well worth the wait, thank goodness. He bought a little helper and was training him on the job, how to tape and bed and use mud and spackle, how to measure and cut all good man stuff. They cleaned up each evening, which was great, and my cowboy dots and I have been painting fools in PJs. Well, they have. I'm a cleaning fiend. having everything off the walls allows for great dusting moments now backing up to dots for a moment she's very territorial and doesn't like anyone in her rooms yes she has a suite upstairs so letting two men take over for two non consecutive days was difficult for her now she's painting all the newly muddied walls and has already bought the fabric for curtains and chosen a blind for her window she complained it was too light too early in the morning but i don't see her surfacing any sooner and have you heard about these solar screens they go on the outside of your window instead of your regular screens and they cut out all the sun's rays i don't know how i feel about that she does love being able to open her window she gets more fresh air anyway happily there are no longer any scuff marks on the doors or fingerprints on the walls there are no sticky counters or crayon residue on the carpets there are instead signs everywhere of empty nest and that's tough when you've been used to having four underfoot 24/7 Adele Bussinger and I had one thing in common last week that we brushed the surface of managing with a young family solo for Adele who's a military wife this can bring all kinds of other worries too especially if your spouse is deployed which today means sent to war We didn't explore that aspect closely. Instead, for the most part, we talked about the logistics of running a one-man or should I say mostly one-woman show when left behind with the children. Adele said, "You just do it." Now, as a non-military mama, I'd be a little more tactful with my words, but you know what they say, you can dish your own family, but heaven help anyone who isn't related to you to try and do it. Roughly translated I can poke fun at the British you can't and as much as he makes the hairs on the back of my neck bristle I became mildly insulted when American politics and Mr President were criticized in England I'm glad it was Adele and not me making the observation of 
hardening her emotions and getting on with the task at hand, children and all. She was right, though. When my rock and roll cowboy was on the road touring with its own breed of danger attached, I'd look at my calendar, turn umpteen pages and mark the date when the tour was over and think, shoot, that's four months. What am I going to do with them? Them being the four under six. And I'd harden my emotions, stop my tears in their tracks and get on with what was left, what was then my life. And I wasn't even homeschooling at the time, but I soon was. Adele made me realize that we all homeschool for such a lot of reasons. When I first started sharing my writings on educating at home with friends who were considering it, the most common comment I received was the way I depicted it. It was more of a lifestyle rather than a job I'd undertaken, just because I didn't want my children in the public school system and couldn't afford the private school route. And it is a lifestyle, part of how we choose to raise our family, husbands notwithstanding. One of my friends who travels extensively with her family, not just around America, told me she'd given up certain expectations like being able to hop in the car and drive to a grocery store every time she needed milk or shove dirty clothes into a washing machine so she can do something else while it agitates the grime off the collar. She has to walk a mile or two, sometimes cross a river, always laden down with a backpack on the return trek, just for groceries for the evening meal. Of course, they don't have a car. Did I say that? The family wash their clothes by hand, sometimes in a river, when they run out of clean items, but the payoff is remarkable for them. And I emphasize, for them. It wouldn't suit us all, but she gets on with it because it's a lifestyle. She and her husband have chosen for their family. They have to take the down with the up. I've spoken to enough homeschoolers to know that with the lifestyle comes the content of what happens day to day. The family I just mentioned does a lot of hiking in a day, but they still do formal schooling each morning, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Some in-house schools are traditional, others are casual and out there, whatever suits you. Some day-to-days may include clean the house or learn how to do laundry. Others may incorporate a plant, a garden week, or paint the house month in your PJs. Others may spend the day in research or studying for exams. Some families may cook meals for the household na- for the housebound neighbor, host Bible study evenings, form clothes making clubs. At the weekend, a project after cleaning the garage may incorporate fix the car workshops or let's work on our tan afternoons, not to mention the baking and memorizing the crafting and math facts, all kinds of things that may or may not look like school, but are still considered as such and are individual expressions of home education, a personal lifestyle. For Adele and a host of others who really do let homeschooling wander along on its own path, Providence crops up time and again. An aha moment for Adele was when her husband arranged for the family to move to Korea, where he's been stationed for the past year. Her husband, that is. Yes, that was her husband. I did say her husband. To complete his tour of duty with him. For two years, her eldest daughter had been interested in missions and life in Southeast Asia. And now, here they are, headed off to join him in a couple of weeks. God works in marvellous ways, if you can let go of those reins for just a moment. And if you're worried about not covering everything your child needs to learn in fifth grade, for example, consider this. My first guest of the year, Larry Farris, reminded us that there are gaps in all education systems, vast periods of time when students zone out. Are you still discovering things for what you imagine to be for the first time? You must have zoned out the first, second or third time of hearing it. 
Unless we're interested, we hardly ever listen. We pick and choose what attracts us and discard the rest. Our homeschool students have the unique opportunity to choose topics they have a passion for and pursue them. Some families travel and their children learn about cultures. Other families remain cooped up in their basements. Still others never open a textbook, while some use the electronic media to answer all of their questions. And so I think it looks as though I have to go on a break. And homeschooling life with a family has to be flexible and it has to be a lifestyle. So I'm off to grab another cup. I'll be back in a sec. So don't go away. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest today is Suki Wessling, who began reluctantly homeschooling her kindergartner and wrote a book about what she learned called From School to Homeschool, published last year by Great Potential Press. Her book addresses gifted children with an emphasis on serving the emotional and academic needs of unusual learners and serves as an introduction to homeschooling for parents seeking alternative educational approaches for their children. Suki is also a writer of widely published poetry, fiction and non-fiction. She's worked as a college English teacher, small press publisher, graphic designer and journalist. Good morning, Suki, and welcome to my show. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. Well, good. How are you this morning? Great. Thank you. Good. Well, let's start before we get into the meat of um, what we're going to be talking about um, by finding out, I I want you to tell us a little bit about your entry into the homeschooling world. Well, I had never actually thought about homeschooling. I had two children. Um, One of them was doing fine in a public charter school, and the other one was younger and had had a lot of trouble fitting in in preschool. But I was still very focused on school, and homeschooling had really not occurred to me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Started her in kindergarten, and it to say it didn't work out is putting it mildly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She, She was bored, and when, I guess, the sort of classic really smart kid is bored, they sort of zone out. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you have an extrovert who's a really smart kid who's bored, they act out. And so she started acting out um, Mm -hmm. after about 
a, a couple of tries at getting an aide to help in the classroom, I started attending with her. And that pretty much um, educated me as to why she was acting out. She was really bored. Mm-hmm. It was She was not allowed to explore and do things on that were on her level. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher didn't believe that she could read because when you have a kid who's really distressed in the classroom, they usually don't present their best side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the teacher said, well, she can't possibly read if she can't put que at together. Mm-hmm. However, que at was boring to her and yeah. she wasn't very interested. So when the teacher offered this to her, she just threw the, threw the letters across the room. Oh. <laughs> um, it was it was a really hard period because I just I wasn't thinking about homeschooling. I was just trying to desperately to figure out how she was going to work into school. And um, I met a homeschooler during that time. Um, I was interviewing for an article, and she said, "Well, you know, you could homeschool." And I said, "Oh, fat chance!" <laughs> and you know, that was um, the end of that until we got to winter break. And I said to my husband, "We just I I can't do this anymore. This is it's too hard." And my my daughter was in. It's serious distress. She mm-hmm. was showing showing physical signs of distress at that point. So we took her out, and for a couple m- months, she and I just hated each other, mm-hmm. and had you know we were just angry. We didn't know what to do, and finally, I ended up reaching out to other homeschoolers, and over then a three year period, became a dedicated homeschooler, and at that point, brought my son home. He mm-hmm. was just finishing fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And um, so we've been homeschooling the two of them ever since for, I think it, we're, we're going on our sixth year now. Wow, that's fantastic. Wow. And um, how did your son feel having been to school? And was he, was he okay in the classroom? Did he enjoy what was going on? Well, you know, like I said, he was one of those kids who just sort of, he, he just sort of gave in. He would, he would be frustrated. I'd ask him how school was and he'd come home and he'd be frustrated that they really didn't get to anything that he wanted to do or, you know, almost always, both of my kids are really into science and they, he'd come home and he'd say, ah, oh, we learned how to hitch up a light bulb to a battery, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like this kid was doing complex circuits and stuff. So mm-hmm. he was, he was very bored. Um, and the biggest problem was the, the lack of free time because he really wanted, he had tons of projects of his own that he wanted to do. He's very self-motivated and he just didn't have the time. And as we drew to the end of fifth grade, they were saying, now next year, lots more homework, you know, expect mm-hmm. 45 minutes a night per teacher. And there were four teachers. And I was like, wait, how do we do that math? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and, and, and so he had been wanting to study Japanese and I said something casually, not even really thinking about it. Well, if you were homeschooling and his eyes lit up and he really? said, I could homeschool. Cause oh. you know, I guess he had always thought it was just for kids who couldn't make it in school. And mm-hmm. it was like, Oh, of course you could homeschool. Would you want to homeschool? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up bringing him home as well. And, and he, every year I, I offer to him the opportunity to go back to school and next year he'll be going into high school and he's, he's a happy homeschooler. Well, good, good. So you said that you didn't know, you hadn't even kind of considered homeschooling prior to all of this going on with your kindergartner. So, um, you know, what was your background, yours and your husband's as, as far as school went? Well, both of us were products of public school. Um, and pretty good public schools. The, I, you know, I, in retrospect, can find a lot more 
to fault than I really could at the time. I mean, I guess everybody assumed that's what there was. You really didn't have any choice. Mm-hmm. And I was in a small town and, and then both of us went on and got graduate degrees and, um, we're both Stanford graduates. So mm-hmm. we're, um, you know, it's not surprising that we have kids who are very, academically oriented and and quick learners they are also kids who um are similar to us in in less positive ways too i mean every every family has their own group of attributes and it's amazing our, our daughter has actually gotten really into sports that um that include balls and see i i have this problem i avoid any sport that includes a ball because generally they come at me i see two of them and one of them hits me in the face so, um so yeah so we've we've had a um so we we had a very standard um educational experience except for one little thing which i really it hadn't occurred to me that it had anything to do with homeschooling that when i was in high school i was extremely bored mm-hmm. and um my mother at that time was getting a PhD at um, the University of Michigan, which was a two-hour drive from our home. Mm-hmm. And um, she, at some point, must have mentioned to someone what was going on with me. And that person said, well, what about the Young Scholars Program? And it turned out there was a program in that was set up by the university. It was supposed to be for kids from little one-room schoolhouses out in the middle of nowhere, um, which was not my case. Mm -hmm. But they accepted me, and so I dropped out of high school and went straight to college. Yeah. And and so that sort of is like a homeschooler thing to do. I realized later it was like, oh, I just took charge of my education and said, I don't need this, and left. Yeah. And you know what? That takes an awful lot of courage on the um, part of the parent. You said your mother was, was uh, getting her PhD, so she was probably, she, she had her own focus. But a lot of parents say, oh my gosh, high school, there's no way I can homeschool high school. I'm going to have to put my kids into high school. Otherwise, they're never going to get into college. And that really is not the case because I think homeschoolers are a much better. Um, rounded. I know with my children, they never took a test and they went, they'd never been in a classroom situation. They went straight to college with mixed ages in their classrooms and a different teacher to mom and were fine. They were fine yeah. with it, you yeah. know, and adapted really well. Well, the interesting thing about um, when you're talking about kids who are likely to go on to more competitive universities is that, that homeschooling became um, an avenue to getting into some of the most competitive homeschool, uh, uh, universities mm-hmm. much more than in, um, state universities. So here in California, it's actually harder to homeschool a high schooler if that high schooler wants to go to, um, the UC system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus if they want to go to Stanford. Yes, I know. So mm-hmm. it's it's really an interesting people people say how is your child ever going to go to college and it's like well it's sort of a leg up in a way because they have enough time if they're self motivated enough they have enough time to really develop their interests and really not look like a bunch of numbers on a piece of paper to the admissions office. They will really have done something with their lives, which school students often just don't have time to do. Mm-hmm. But the the key that I, I just said is, is self-motivated. And yeah. that's the thing that I feel that um, is really important. And I've been working on so so last year I slightly started it and this year I'm really starting to expect my son to start taking charge of his own scheduling his own um 
his own motivation to get mm-hmm. things done. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, when you've got a 15-year-old, you can't make them do anything. No. You have to, yeah. you have to have by then, if you're going to be a homeschooler, some sort of agreement for what they're doing this for. And, and frankly, if I had kids who had interests that weren't, um, something that college would be the right, the right avenue for them, I would be homeschooling very differently. But since I know that they both really want to go to college, I have to homeschool in a way that, that we, so that we know, we look ahead and say, well, you know, what do you need to do to get to this? What's the next step that Mm -hmm. you need to take? Mm -hmm. And it's not, um, it's a little scary because, you know, I'm starting to see next year, everything he does starts to count, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) not that nothing counted before, but it's the, the universities will start looking at what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm paying a little more attention to that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not, it's not something that, I'm actually seeing that more people are starting to let their kids start homeschooling in high school because their kids are really self-motivated and they know what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're talking about these, about your children um, learning maybe a little bit differently in the classroom. And I know that in a typical traditional classroom situation, there is a particular way that all the children are expected to take in information. And, um, you know, there's that bottom line there are all these test results that have to um, be high and they have to be good and it doesn't suit every child so is every child um, labeled as ADD or ADHD if they're not able to pay attention because they are learning in a different way to the way it's being presented in a classroom is every child a gifted child is every child that is actually labeled as a gifted child really a gifted child or just a different learner well, I think that schools are, are going about it all wrong. What, what they're doing is they're trying to quantify um, a human being the way that they would try to quantify a, a, a piece of electronics. And, and, you know, there's this whole idea that schools should be run on a business model. And, but children are not widgets, and they don't come out all the same. What, what a school really needs to do is really maximize each student's potential and to figure out what that potential is and then structure it, the students learning to maximize that potential. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the case of gifted children, there's basically two different, um, two different theories or approaches to identifying gifted children. Um, one is the achievement model. Any kid who's achieving high scores, achieving in some way is gifted. And the other is what's called the potential model, which would be um, looking at the child's learning patterns and um, especially when they're preschoolers before they're starting to be put into a, a rigid learning situation and looking at their learning patterns and their potential for learning. Mm-hmm. And so I know that we're going to have to break soon, but we can talk about that again uh, after after yeah. the break um yeah. okay well yes we are we're going to go right on to our break now and um, i'm talking to Susie, suki wesling about gifted children and we will be back in about 90 seconds how do you handle toddlers teens and tirades when homeschooling that's what we're working on now it's vivian mcnitty the sociable homeschooler and we'll be right back after these Why do I feel so lousy? Why aren't my medications working? 
Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Okay, I'm back and I'm talking to Suki Wesley and we are talking about gifted children. And she was telling us about um, two credentials or, um, you know, sort of attributes of a gifted child. One was the achievement um, model and one was the potential model. So can you continue um, telling us about um, how gifted children are given that title? Yes. So um, most of the time, um, people when when they don't aren't involved in in the gifted education community will will assume that you mean the achievement model, and that is that is the model where the word gifted might make some sense, although I don't like the word gifted. It implies a value judgment, mm-hmm. um, which I, most people in the field of serving the needs of gifted children certainly don't do. Um, but the other side of giftedness is the, and, and I, you know, I'm not going to take a stance here, whether you call it an innate um, ability or if it was nurtured by the parents to think in different and learn in quicker ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the average gifted kid, well, there's, there's most gifted kids, people will say when they look back that they just could have known immediately. Um, the babies tend to be more alert. They often make not only um, developmental milestones like talking, but developmental milestones like walking early, mm-hmm. though that's not true of my kids at all. Um, they're both <laughs> late walkers. But then there's there's a subset of gifted kids who do everything really late. So the uh, sort of the classic that example that people know of is Mozart who didn't talk and or wait was it Mozart who didn't know Mozart talked it was Einstein who didn't talk until he was like four or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you see even with those nonverbal kids you'll see that for example when my daughter was a baby and we gave her a shape sorter she would take the circle. And she would try everything that wasn't a circle. And she would sit there and do it over and over again and never try the circle. And so it was clear that she knew that it, that it went through there. And that was boring. She wanted to figure out if there was a way to make it go through the other holes. Right. And the same with, we had a, we had a pounder that had, um, colored balls that were supposed to sit each one on its same colored spot. Mm-hmm. And she never put them on the spot that was the color. Right. So clearly there was, she, she, these toys were made to develop skills that she developed without 
working on at all. And so another hallmark of a lot of gifted children is early reading. And, um, you know, you won't have people might think that that people that the parents have actually taught them reading i swear having had a horrible experience trying to quote teach unquote my son reading i had totally given up and i didn't try to teach my daughter anything yeah. she taught herself to read mm-hmm. but she didn't she she wouldn't admit it for till she was four and a half really we we knew she was reading because she knew information she couldn't have known without reading yeah. but she wouldn't admit it for some reason so it was sort of funny um and the so so what happens when these kids get into school well some of them are going to be like me for example when i went to school i could already read but i don't remember being distressed about being taught to read i just sat there and said all right well they're all going to catch up with me eventually and you know um i was really quite bored in school much of the time but i was a pretty compliant kid and then there's the kids who learn differently in a way that school doesn't serve at all. And they come out looking like my daughter and her kindergarten teacher not understanding that she could read. The kindergarten teacher couldn't understand that a co- child who can read won't necessarily want to put it, put blocks together to spell a word. Yeah. That that's just not what she wants. And she, she was not... Um, not able, she, she had a lot of trouble with impulse control. And so she really had I, had I put her, this was a, a private school because she was, she was, um, four days too young to make the public school cutoff. And she was so, she was big, smart, and, um, as I, I like to, to say in quotation marks, had leadership qualities. <laughs> she was, she was, you know, sort of a, a little bossy girl. And, and so her preschool teacher had said, Oh, yeah, you've got to get her into kindergarten early. And then, you know, if you want to go to public, just skip her into, in, into first, into second grade. Um, and we, we realized after a few months in kindergarten that if I put her in public school, they would put her through the IEP process and put her in special education. Because in school, she didn't demonstrate any of her intelligence. No. You had no idea. She hardly even talked. Yeah. It was, um, it was like the school was such a bad environment for her that you couldn't even see what her abilities were. So, so you've got these two different groups of kids and the, the group of kids that are more compliant get their nerves, their, their needs served through a variety of ways. Um, some schools in this country are willing to do what's called acceleration, either in a single subject, say a kid is way ahead in math and they get to go to a special math class, or through grade skips, in which case the child has to be accelerated in all subjects. Um, most schools in this country are extremely unwilling to do acceleration, mm-hmm. even though all of the research that's been done has shown that this is a really effective way to serve the needs of a good subset of gifted learners that they aren't going to suffer suffer socially. They're, they're going to be different, but frankly, gifted kids grow up knowing they're different. And if you don't acknowledge that, it's actually harder for them than if you go along and pretend they should just be like other kids. And and they see they see that they're different, and the other kids see that they're different. They get treated differently. They tend to get bullied more in school. Um, and and one a little factoid that not very many people know is. That gifted kids have a higher high school dropout rate than um, than other kids. So, so acceleration is relatively rare in this country, but it is done. 
Um, the most common thing you'll see in this country is some sort of tracking, like a gifted program, um, maybe special gifted classes. Um, the worst of these, I think, are these, these pull-out classes where the gifted kids are pulled out of their classroom for a couple hours each week where they get to go and do really great project-based learning and then they're stuck back in their classroom yeah. where they're supposed to, you know, get ready for test preparation and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's really, from what I've, I know of, of people who have, whose kids have gone through that, that can be very difficult on the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just accelerated programs. Um, which again might not suit be- the gifted learners, especially if, like my daughter, they're visual spatial learners. Yeah. They don't necessarily learn in a sequential way. They don't learn from read a textbook, discuss the textbook, yeah. ask questions, take a test. Yeah. This is not the way they learn. Yeah. So the schools don't really serve their needs terribly well. Well, you were saying about accelerating, you know, if, if a child is. Um, sort of advanced in every subject, they could be accelerated a grade. But, you know, I was sitting here thinking, but it's still the same environment. It's just it a higher, you know, they, they just moved on a little bit. And for stuff like social science and, well, I don't know, history, it's not going to be that different because, I, I don't, you know, it's just more the reading and the writing and the, um, the, the those, oh, I don't know, more creative things or, or the math and, and that. Well, the, yeah, and, and a lot of gifted learners, they're, they're just learning much more deeply in the same time that, say, something like, um, studying for a, 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 studying a section of history, they're possibly, they're probably going to read the, what they have to read faster. They're yes. going to comprehend it more deeply. It's going to go, a lot of these kids have really prodigious memories. It's unbelievable the stuff they remember. And, and so it's going to go into long-term memory immediately. And then, even if they're in 10 and in seventh grade, they're still going to have to wait for the rest of the catch up to, to have to happen in school. And really what they need is much deeper learning. They, they need to be able to learn at their pace and learn more deeply. And schools are not set up for that. American schools in, in general are set up to try to produce this homogenous population of people who are not really good at anything, but not really bad at anything. Yeah. And so there, it's like the, there's this focus on, on trying to create the same spit out a bunch of the copies of the same person, which really doesn't work for gifted learners, especially because they tend to be more extreme. So you'll have these gifted math kids who are just way so far ahead in math that that there's just no point in trying to serve their needs in a normal classroom, whereas their reading and writing might be behind. Um, This is something called asynchronous uh, development, and it's one of the hallmarks of of gifted kids and one of the reasons why you can really see the, the split between between the achievement model and the potential model the potential model kids often show huge discrepancies in their development um and so they'll their asynchronous qualities might come intellectually like i said like with math and 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 writing or it might come with their social emotional development, which tends to be slower, um, the, those preschool years when all the other kids are learning, um, how to become friends, how to share, how to be in a community. The gifted kids are usually going around reading books on space travel and, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, you can sort of fit, you can sort of go to any preschool and pick them out because they're the kids who, who talk to the teacher in, in full, very grammatically perfect sentences and, and, um, and are much more excited in about 
reading books than they are about going and playing with other kids. And often what this leads to, um, one of the things that I think is really important, especially if any of your listeners have kids who they suspect might be gifted, is to understand that um, the misunderstanding of gifted kids' um, development is is one that doesn't just stop at education. Um, Gifted kids are much more likely to be misdiagnosed. Um, There's a wonderful book called Misdiagnosis of Gifted Children and Adults um, that everyone who has a really smart kid who's been given a diagnosis of autism or ADHD or even worse, um, bipolar disorder mm-hmm. um, should should really worse because of the drugs that they give to kids that yeah. they've they've diagnosed as bipolar. Um, they really need to read this book. Um, the other place that the first place that I would send anyone for information is um, a website of the organization called Supporting the Emotional Needs of the Gifted. So their website is S-E-N-Gifted, sanggifted.org. They have a um, they have a brochure that you can download. It's on the bottom of the front page of the website, um, Is My Child Gifted? And that will give you some pointers to basic things you should understand. And the, the really basic thing that, that um, is not understood in education and in mental health um, for gifted kids is that they do develop very differently. And so if you don't take their unusual development into account, you are going to end up saying, th- thinking things like, well, this kid can't sit still. He must have ADHD. Well, maybe he's just bored out of his mind. Absolutely. And he, or maybe he's a kid who needs to, to move to learn. I mean, I, I just recently wrote, um, a, um, blog entry about teaching my daughter. My daughter has always had advanced math conceptual understanding, but has had a lot of trouble um, memorizing math facts, Mm -hmm. which is a very common pattern for gifted kids. And um, she developed this this idea, which we, I just followed her lead. She called it swing math, and she would be on the swing, and I would push her Mm -hmm based on her answering math problems correctly. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, it makes total sense to me because she always needs to move and she yeah. sings constantly and, yeah. and she'll be jumping around and stuff. And, and this in school looks like misbehavior, yeah. but at home, it's just who she is. Yeah. Well, Suki, uh, we're going to have to go on another break, but um, we'll be right back in about 90 seconds. So don't go anywhere. Okay. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriended is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. 
Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Suhi, we've been talking about recognizing giftedness in our own children. And I mean, that could be a daunting thing because gifted is not a brilliant word to use. Um, Can we talk a little bit about maybe non-academic things that we can be um, doing as homeschoolers that some of our schools, our, our public schools, are dropping from the curriculum because they're not academic, they can't be measured, but they are very important for our child's development. Certainly. Um, one of the things, one of the areas that um, gifted learners often go into is music. Um, music being a way of learning that is completely unquantifiable. Um, the 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 research that has been done shows that learning music opens up all sorts of new pathways in the brain Yet you can't you can't put a number on it. You can't take a bunch of kids, teach them music for three months, and then see their test scores go up. Yeah, it's that's not really that's not really the way learning works. Test scores are largely um, uh, standardized test scores are largely a measure of a person's zip code. It's a measure of the socioeconomic class for the most part, and you have outliers, of course, um, but. For the most part, when you take all of the data from the United States test data, you can map it directly to the average income in their district. Um, so, so really, though, what's really true about learning is that it's the whole child learning. Um, first of all, they're cutting out PE. Um, I regularly send my children outside. It's like, get out of the house, Mm -hmm. go run around, you know, because that we all know there's a wonderful research facility. Oh, and I'm not gonna remember what it's called. It's in, in the Midwest doing, doing research on um, nature therapy and the effect of nature on learning. And it turns out that just being outside, being in, in the, um, the outside environment, being around trees actually helps kids learn. Mm -hmm. So we're cutting out, we're cutting out recess, we're cutting out sports and, and repetitive movements of, of different sides of your body have also been, um, been measured to help learning, um, improve, improve thinking skills. Um, and we're cutting out music, which is the place that many children find their refuge and their love in mm-hmm. school. We're, we're really cutting out most of the reasons to go to school um, because <laughs> preparing for tests is, is not a reason to go to school. Um, and so, so you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I like to think of it this way because it, it, it makes sense to me that I was the student that they say they want, right? I was the straight A student who, who never missed a day of school and, and didn't cause any trouble. Yet the reason I was showing up for school was track mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a runner and, um, my extracurricular activities, school itself was not the interesting part. And that's something that, you know, one of the reasons, one of the great pulls of homeschooling, lots of people I know who start homeschooling who didn't choose it as a, an educational method chose it because of the lifestyle changes it makes. They are able, for example, I know someone who has a daughter who is a champion figure skater. Mm-hmm. There's just no way they'd be able to have 
um, the life that they have, if she were in school, their life would be so stressful. Mm -hmm. And so it's a way to take the stress off and allow your children to explore their passions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Suki, you went from a reluctant homeschooler to a very pro homeschooler, and you say that you have people talking to you about homeschooling a lot now. They say their child isn't doing well in school. What are they going to do? They're tearing their hair out. How do you do that? And you encourage them. Yes. Well, my my feeling is that that homeschooling is a huge commitment that a lot of parents are not willing to make or not able to make. Mm -hmm. And that I would never say that I know there are some people who say homeschooling is what everyone should do. And I actually think that schools serve the needs of some families and some children quite well, as long as the schools are, are not going through this thing that we've gone through in the last 15 years or so with this testing mania, um, that schools can serve people's needs very well. Um, But my feeling is that if people are able to, if they care deeply about their child's education, and if they have a child, especially if they have a child who's unusual in any way, um, or their family is unusual in any way, homeschooling can really fit into their lives so much better and they'll find a lot of relief of stress. I mean, the the first year we started homeschooling my son, sometime during that that year, my husband looked at me and he he looked at the clock and he said, right now, I would be in a screaming match with our son because we just, our mornings were so tense. Getting him to the bus was yeah. so tense. Yeah. And now, you know, it's, it's a, it's a whole different family and a whole different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so if people can do it and people make huge sacrifices, mm-hmm. I, I understand that not everyone can afford to, but the people I know who can't afford to still figure out a way to, if yeah. it's what they, they want to do. Exactly. Well, Suki, we've come to the end of our time together, and it's been an absolute delight. I've been talking to Suki Wesley, author of From School to Homeschool, Should You Homeschool Your Gifted Child, published in 2012 by Great Potential Press. Since reluctantly treading the waters for homeschooling when her daughter started kindergarten, Suki's written about gifted children with an emphasis on serving the emotional and academic needs of unusual learners. Today, we talked about other educational approaches for parents of these children to take. We looked at learning styles and determined the meaning of the word gifted. I hope you were inspired and encouraged to continue along the path you've chosen for your children. You can find Suki at her website. You can just Google Suki Wesley. And um, on my actual page on Toginet Radio, you will find links to um, her website. Um, Suki, thank you so much for joining me today. And you have a terrific weekend and be safe. Thank you. I enjoyed being on the show. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, I can't skip many weeks without alluding to the wedding. Plans continue in leaps and bounds, and I'm learning to keep a low profile. I was given a bundle of invitations to send out to my guest list. I bought all the stamps, special Valentine's ones online. Love is in the air. Even at Mass this week, the reading was the famous one from 1 Corinthians Chapters 12 and 13, my well-heeled stranger years ago when we were catching up with our spiritual week while waiting for our gymnasts to finish class asked me, what is the most important thing for a Christian to do? Or words to that effect. Not used to conversing with a Baptist who has all the answers, I hazarded a guess with a little bit of help from Paul. Love, I said. Wrong. To accept Jesus as my Lord and Saviour was the correct response. Well, I knew that, but I still go with my answer because this is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. 
And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I wish the future bride and groom and my other ex-rugrats had been there with me to listen to this lovely piece of scripture. As children, I had them rewrite the love is in their own words. Here are some gems from their interpretation of Paul's famous words dating back to 2003. Well, not Paul's words, my children's words. Love has lots of time. Love doesn't show off. Love will not stay angry forever. Love keeps going. Love is always there when you need it, even if you don't deserve it. Love does not rush things or people. It has time. Love is soft, gentle, friendly, and sweet. Love is quiet and does not talk about itself only. Love keeps quiet at what it's good at. Love does not only think of me. Love can always be depended on to do what is right. Love keeps bad deeds to itself. Love never gives up on others. You need to go and read those verses again. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 and 8. The shower invitations have gone out and I'm happy to say that my sister-in-law is hosting the event at her house. She has all the plates and servers and silver and linen. That's in a couple of weeks, so it's all go. And we've got to have some games and I need to discuss the menu. And we're so busy that we're running around like wild things with our heads cut off and nothing is getting done. Not because we're not focused, we probably aren't, but because there are so many obstacles along each path causing us to grind to a halt. For example, the Volvo of my teacher daughter is still not sold. Every time someone shows an interest, another fault shows itself. The hoses need replacing. There's a radiator leak, which my handy blue-eyed fixed. Then the engine light goes on, so we got the part for that and had it fitted, and then the battery wouldn't hold a charge. So we replaced it, and it's still playing up. And in the end, I said to my daughter in Corpus, we're spending so much money, there won't be any left from the sale price, to which she groaned over Skype. The same with the house. Each repair shows up another. You know how that goes. All the balls we have in the air would impress the most professional juggler. Hopefully, everything will fall into place at once and not come crashing around our ears. Sunshine definitely helps to lift the spirits, though. And I spent an evening alone this past weekend. Work needed doing in Lindale, and I didn't want to spend the night there, so I stayed home. Party animal dorts went out, and I did some computer work in the kitchen, listening to golden oldies in iTunes that took me back to my own party animal days when going to discos was a good form of exercise. I discovered the free one-minute sound bites on iTunes and listened to my old favourite, Kate Bush. Then I found that on YouTube, the whole song could be watched if a video had been made of it, which one had, of course, of her famous Wuthering Heights number one in the British charts for 40 weeks. She made several music videos of that one. I sang alone shamelessly and occasionally shrieked, to quote the words of my kindergarten teacher, um, that she used in one of my school reports that my parents kept. Vivian is a very quiet girl who sometimes shrieks. Shrieking is good. And when it's for absolutely no other reason than to utter a loud noise, it's even better. My younger said, Mum was up to some strange stuff the night we left her alone. And I wasn't. And it's all go in our house, and it looks as though I'm out of time again. I'm off to Oklahoma this weekend. Next week is also the beginning of Lent, so don't forget to get ashed on Wednesday the 13th. More importantly, it's Shrove Tuesday the day before, 
Good excuse for pancakes. And it's Valentine's Day the day after. Did you hear that, my handsome cowboy? So don't give up champagne or chocolate until Friday, when I'll be back with another breathless show for you, same time, same place. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Suki Wesley, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah Joel, Rosemary, Kathleen, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. And don't forget to listen to my friend Ali Laprit on Mondays at 7pm, this little parent stayed home, and Sandy Fowler at Hartfield Holidays also on Mondays at 1. Better yet, Stay tuned in all the time and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. Take care and be safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.